pure domination. That is what happened for Gophers fans this weekend. Not only did the Gophers come on top 62 to 10, but Iowa, Nebraska, and Wisconsin all took L's this weekend. We're going to recap what happened with the Gophers versus the Western Illinois Leathernecks and why you should still be over the top about this weekend. You are no locked on happens, Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week. It is Monday, folks, and Monday means we are talking about what happened this past weekend in the game. We're going to talk about what went right, what went wrong. We're going to talk about the highest PFF graded players of the week and the lowest. So lots to go over. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get podcasts and hit subscribe on YouTube. Join the community. But I want to jump in because we got a lot to talk about. Now, the Gophers dominated the Leathernecks this weekend, 62-10. to 10. Not only that, but it was a great week to be a Gopher fan in general. You had Wisconsin losing to Washington State. Thank you. You had Iowa losing to Iowa State. Thank you. And then you had Nebraska pulling in Nebraska with Scott Frost as the head coach, officially losing to Georgia Southern and then being fired on Sunday morning. So, I mean, in the Big Ten West, the Gophers are the only team that is still undefeated. And now it's time to go out there, win your third non-conference game against Colorado this upcoming week. And then you got the Big Ten schedule right ahead of you, starting with a big matchup. So it's a good time to be a Gopher fan, it's a good time to be excited, and it's a good time to be gaining momentum. But let's talk about what happened this past weekend, and let's give you a little quick recap. Tanner Morgan, absolutely dominated, absolutely solid, had 287 yards and a touchdown through the air and on the ground. He was 14 of 18, passing for 78% completion. And it wasn't just Tanner Morgan as a quarterback who was doing really well for the Gophers, but also Ethan Kaliak-Manis came in, went three for three, and rushed in a touchdown. The future is bright. You get excited to see the arm strength that this kid has and to see him not not succumbing to any pressure, regardless of how the score looked, but putting those flashes to excite you out there. Putting things in motion and doing what he needs to do, making the right decisions, it was a great time, both for the current quarterback and the future of the quarterback position here with the Gophers. Then on the ground, you had Mo Ibrahim with 23 attempts, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. Trey Potts had 10 attempts, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Bryce Williams had eight attempts, 51 yards, and Preston Jalen had two attempts for 32 yards and a touchdown. Overall, we had 307 total rushing yards. So the Gophers, in classic Gophers fashion, got it done on the ground. 
but it wasn't just on the ground and that was the best part of this weekend was that it was through the air we saw the flashes of the passing game existing once again and that is an exciting in its own right chris Amon bell seemed like we could have went to him all day with five receptions 118 yards clay geary had three receptions for 65 yards brevin span ford had three receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown michael brown stevens had fit three receptions for 53 yards in one fumble now that fumble was huge especially where it came in the game but the Gophers recovered, they showed composure in the defense, folks. The last part of this recap before we dive into the nitty gritty is the defense. Defensively, we gave up a total of 194 yards. Now the majority of those yards, again, were coming in the late fourth quarter of this game. I believe the Gophers had them probably within 114 yards up until like the third string type guys were playing. So gave up about 114 total yards, which we had talked about on the show. We were shooting for 150. Now they got over that, but again, with the starters at hand, I don't know if they would have. So 194 yards for the Western Illinois Leathernecks, whereas the Gophers had 679 total yards. What? Like, it was a game. It was fantastic. It was the highest scoring effort that P.J. Fleck has had at the program here. Not only that, it was the first time the Gophers have cracked over 60 points since 2006. 2006, folks. Like, it it was exciting to see them run up the score, to see them doing it at all angles, to see them running the ball effectively, passing the ball effectively, getting defensive interceptions it was just it was beautiful it was beautiful and it was something to be excited about now third down third down is what we talked about we want to keep dominating there western illinois went one for 13 on third down attempts minnesota was seven for 11 fourth down attempts they were oh for two or three and minnesota was one for one so we remained Lockdown on the key downs. Red zone, we they were one for one. We were seven for seven. Unfortunately, they got a field goal, which we that's good. On the red zone attempt, you held them to a field goal, but unfortunately, they got that. So the red zone was still the dead zone, but not quite to the caliber we were hoping for. And then finally, we held them to 50% pass completion, 1.8 yards per carry, and they had a turnover. So it was a great day. It was a great time. But let's talk about where we went wrong. That's what we're going to talk about next. But first, we got to talk about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Now, I want to tell you the easiest way to have fun and spice up your season and that is with underdog fantasy and their pick them for college football i put this to use this past weekend and your boy would have made two hundred dollars on a ten dollar bet had caleb williams rushed the ball a little bit more so all you got to do is look for your favorite matchups for the college <coughs> matchups for the college week you pick over and unders for five players and then if you can, you just pick whether they're going to go higher or lower, over or under, and that number of each week's game. Then you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. So if I would have won on that $10 bet, I would have made $200. It's that easy. 
Underdog keeps it simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two to five players for your pick'em slip, and if you get all of your picks right, then you will take home cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You put $100 down, they'll give you $100 as well. That's $200 in your account ready to do some college pickums. So that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. All right, so we're going to dive back in. Thank you for making Locked On and Golden Gophers your first listen when it comes to gopher sports, especially daily. We've got a show Monday through Friday, so be sure you're tuning in each and every day of the week. Now, today we're talking about the matchup with the Western Iowa Leathernecks. Now, let's talk about where we went wrong. First off, there was a silly penalty that allowed the only red zone look of the entire game for the Leathernecks and their first points of the game. A roughing the passer call on Trill Carter in the second quarter on a fourth and short. And it was a fourth and short, and it would have allowed us to get off the field and stopped them from their only early score. The penalty was slightly questionable. I mean, he was already midway tackling him as he was getting rid of the ball, the quarterback, but he did put his weight on him, which is why they threw the penalty. Now, <clears throat> It's up in the air if you should really be calling that a roughing the passer or not, but why even put ourselves in that situation? Just do anything you can to really show the effort that you're not putting your weight on so we don't have that. Then it's four and out, then there's no red zone looks, and then the Gophers aren't giving up a score in that opening part of the game. Now, maybe they still score late, but it was a uh, moment in the game where it was just like, man, like, Four and out, the defense was holding strong. It was beautiful, so can't give up silly plays like that. If it was in a closer game, it would have been something that could have been game-changing if it was a bigger game, a higher-caliber team, and a better opponent. Like That is why you can't. You have to work those things out now. And that's why you're okay with it happening maybe in an early game like this where you know you have it in hand. But you want to get that worked out now so it does not happen again in those closer games. Now, point number two where we went wrong was the early fumble on the first drive. Michael Brown-Stevens on the second play of the game. They went back-to-back with Michael Brown-Stevens to open the game. The first was an 18-yard strike across the middle. Looked great. Second was an out to the left. Or not an out, but like a quick swing pass to Michael Brown-Stevens to the left. And he fumbled. And you cannot fumble. You cannot fumble, especially... When you open the game receiving the ball, and on the second play, you give up a fumble. That can't happen. That cannot happen, especially on the opening drive where you receive. So it set a terrible tone, one that we were able to shake off, but it might be harder to shake off again against a higher caliber team. Those are mistakes that can set you off wrong, set you off to the point where you're fighting to get back to a neutral playing field. And you can't have that happen. So that was just huge. That was a huge part where they went wrong. Now, luckily, they were able to recover from it, get a quick lead and hold and maintain and build on that lead. But that moment, especially kick off the game, was so deflating. So that was point number two of where we were wrong. And the final point of where we went wrong in this game, I believe, might be a little spicier. 
but I think it's time to commit to a quarterback too. Rather than flipping every series, just get a young guy as much looks as possible. <clears throat> it clears it's it's pretty clear from camp that Ethan has a higher upside to him. He has a stronger arm. He has, he can he's more talented. He can throw off of different um, from different angles off platform. He can move on the run still. So you still have that ability with his legs, and it's starting to click for him with the decision making that is very present in this game. And as we saw the progression through camp. So you have all that, plus the fans are already behind him. The fans are already supporting him. They love this kid. They're excited for this kid. Even in Tanner Morgan's success, they are excited for the future and what Ethan shows. So commit to him. It is time to jumpstart the future in these opportunities. Now imagine instead of having the two, two and a half series that he had in this game, imagine he had the five, six total series that if he was taking both his and Cole Kramer's. That is a lot of time to learn, a lot of time to develop, a lot of time to get live looks and put it together. There's not going to be a whole lot of games where we're blowing teams out once we hit the Big Ten schedule. So if we're up big in Colorado, let's commit. Let's get him all the looks. Let's get him revved up, ramped up, and ready to go. That is point number three. I do believe we need to commit to a backup quarterback and <clears throat> stop the every other series it was cute to start it was maybe good to warm him up but we've seen enough now let's move on as with him as the guy now where we went right let's talk about that the first place where we went right was that we accomplished all three key points that we had talked about last week on being keys to success and victory the first being the defense keeping up with its success on in the air and on the ground. We saw that. Check. Red zone equaling the dead zone. Now, yes, they got one score from there. It was a field goal. But given the circumstances and given how they fought back to make that only a field goal, you're going to give them a success there. Only gave up 10 points in the entire game and three points from the red zone. One opportunity throughout the entire game in the red zone. Yes, it's still the dead zone, folks, and check. Then three, you got key young players, rotational players in there early. Instead of the late fourth quarter like we saw in game one, we had guys in there getting early looks starting in the mid-third quarter. The mid-third quarter where we were getting valuable reps for these younger guys, and that is going to be helpful in the long run. Tariq Watson learning on that explosive touchdown that is going to be helpful in the long run because hopefully he doesn't make that same mistake if he's put on the field and there is a reason he's out there due to injury or something like that. He knows how to adjust and make up from that issue having been through it. So accomplishing all three of those things was a great where we weren't right in this game. The second part is that we proved the passing game is back. Kirk Soraka is going to get a lot less questions this week about passing or is there balance. Clearly, we saw the balance. We saw balance at its finest in this game. 287 passing yards for Tanner Morgan, 300 rushing yards on the ground. I would say balance was achieved, and it was nice to see the passing game actually working in full effect. Not only that... 
but we saw multiple guys getting used to it. We saw Clay Geary with some success. We saw Brevin Spans Ford getting great usage, getting great success, getting an explosive play for a touchdown. We saw Michael Brown Stevens getting some good looks, especially across the middle. Again, we want to get rid of that fumble. We saw Chris Ottman Bell working it all over the field. And then we saw even some success from Dalen Wright coming from Ethan. So overall, you're seeing everybody get good work. We saw Brockington get a good 36-yard play during the early portion of the game. You saw Ike White get some looks. So overall, everybody was getting look. The passing game was successful, not just through one player, but through multiple, and that is what is very beneficial to this team. And then the last thing of where we went right is we ran up the score and we came out healthy. Gophers fans, you know this. You hear me when I say this that we don't run up the score. We just haven't historically done that. We aren't used to seeing our team win by 52 points, by 38 to zero. It's just something that we usually are used to the long games that we don't know who's gonna win until the fourth quarter. It comes down to the final drive. It comes down to the fourth quarter and who makes less mistakes. We're just used to always holding our breath, always being on edge and never knowing what could go wrong. We're winning very handily in these games that we should be winning very handily, and that is something great to see in a win of itself. And no one really came out with big injuries in this game. You saw Logan Richter get back on the field. You saw players getting healthy. We saw Daniel Jackson warming up prior to the game. Now, hopefully, we'll see him in this Colorado game. That would be awesome. But... Overall, came out healthy, ran up the score, proved the passing game was back, and accomplished all of the key things this week. I would say that's a great week. Now, to close off the episode, we're going to talk about the best players from this week according to PFF and their grades. That's coming up next. But first, I need to talk to you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. As you're gearing up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to do just that. All you have to do is create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond on the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you add your job in a purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions will help you easily lock in and focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and it's why LinkedIn Jobs is number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn each week? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so we're jumping right in and talking about PFF and the highest graded players for the Gophers in this week two matchup. Now, PFF has Tanner Morgan as the fourth highest graded quarterback in the nation right now through the first two weeks. So clearly, you know he's going to be at the top of this list, but let's break it down between offense and defense. We'll do the top five grades on offense, top five grades on defense, and then the bottom three on offense and defense as well. 
So the top five on offense this week, Tanner Morgan coming in at a 92.3. Ethan Kaliakman is coming in at a 90.2. Brevin Spanford coming in at a 89.8. Nathan Bowe <clears throat> coming in at an 85.4. And Chris Ottman-Bell coming in at an 81.8. Now names that stand out on here, Brevin Spanford, of course, because we know, we've all been talking about this kid has all the potential. This dude is a dude. They even talked about it on the broadcast of how he's like 6'7", 270, and like 2% body fat, 0.2% body fat. It's like the dude is ready, has an NFL body, has athleticism, but for some reason we hadn't been giving him as many looks as we all think we should have. And even though he blew up in this game for 64 yards and a touchdown, he still could have had more opportunities. So it's great to see him reaping success on that, and hopefully we continue to see that grow and grow and grow, especially as we hit the Big Ten schedule. Now another name that stood out on this was Nathan Bowe, 85.4 overall. He was a 77.5 in pass blocking and an 80.5 in run blocking. So he was good all around, and he played 35 snaps. So he got a healthy amount of snaps in there to create a successful grade as well, and that's a backup. That's a guy that's versatile for backups for us because he is the backup center, and he can play both guards inside as well. So overall, Nathan Bow, great to have that depth, that versatility, and I think he will be a very important gopher player throughout the entire season, depending on injuries, depending on tiredness, you name it, but it's great to have him and have him showing the success that he is. Now on defense, the top five players were Trail Carter with a 91.6, the second highest grade of the entire team behind Tanner Morgan. Then you had Jordan Howden, 88.9. You had Gage Keys with an 88.4. Cody Lindenberg with an 82. And Flip Dixon with a 74.0. Now, what I've been trying to do is take players that have played at least 15 or more snaps, and those are the players that I'm bringing up in these gradings. So right there, Trill Carter, Jordan Howden, and Flip Dixon are all starters for you and showed out as some of your best players of the week on defense. Now, Cody Lindenberg. Cody Lindenberg was very impressive in this game. He was all over the field. That's all they talked about on the broadcast was how he just kept showing up, and it's true. He's out there flying around. He's out there filling gaps. He's out there on the quarterback's tail. So Cody Lindenberg is very exciting. It's great to see him healthy. We know Joe Rossi has talked about how he is excited to have him back and we can see the impact that he has when he has the opportunity. So hopefully that keeps growing. Now the highest run grade defense was Mariano Surimarin with 80.6 and the highest pass coverage grade of the week was Jordan Howden with an 89.4. Now let's talk about the lowest grades this week. Lowest grades on offense were all receivers. <clears throat> Michael Brown Stevens coming in at 56.0. Dalen Wright coming in at a 60.6. And Ike White coming in at 61.3. Now the 60s aren't great, but they're not terrible either. It's not anything that you should be like, oh my gosh, like worried about. Getting into the 50s, that's where you can start getting a little worried. And Michael Brown Stevens shows up there. But again, that was with the huge error, the huge fumble in the beginning, as well as not having the greatest blocking grades from the week. So you can see where that struggle came through. Dalen Wright and Ike White, I'm not as concerned on those ones. But on the defensive side of things, Braylon Oliver had a 56.4. 
Jalen Logan Redding had a 60.4, and then Coleman Bryson had a 61.9. So again, 60s aren't out here setting off any alarms or anything like that, but Braylon Oliver putting up a 56.4. That one's a little more concerning, seeing as he played 30 snaps in the game. But like we said, we saw a lot more of other linebackers kind of stepping up and filling the void in um, Cody Lindenberg stepping up. Mariano was, of course, stepping up. So you're going to have an off game here and there. You're going to have maybe something that subjectively doesn't look bad but isn't as great as you want. That's what I think we saw from Braylon Oliver this week, not saying that he isn't a good player or saying that he isn't up to the caliber he needs to be. He just hit the game wasn't as great for him as it could have been. But overall, the Gophers had a great week. PF Griff, PFF has shown that with the top grades, but also not too many things to worry about in this week. Now we prep for Colorado. Tomorrow we're going to be breaking down our opponent in Colorado. Then Wednesday we'll talk about the keys again. And then Thursday we're going to do our predictions. So that's how the week's going to settle out. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a great one. And we're taking on our old offensive coordinator, the new offensive coordinator of the Colorado Buffs, Mike Sanford. That's coming up this week on Locked On Golden Gophers. This is Kane Rob signing off. Have a great one. Sky Uma, row the boat, go Gophers. I'm